So are you upset, Noel? Upset by? The fact that it's a 3D movie. We didn't have any tits flying through the air just in 3D. Is that bother you? <laughs> Is that upsetting to you? Coming towards my face. Yeah. I mean... Because we all know that's your thing. That's, following you know this yeah. year's theme of uh, Nolan and the breasts, it is disappointing that there were no motorboat opportunities. Oh, my God. This is not helping your case at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could have seen a, like, most of the objects look more like penis than breasts. So it would have been more likely we saw a schlong coming there were <laughs> faces than, than breasts. There were a lot of phallic objects for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that was disappointing, I guess, for you. <laughs> uh, welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And it's our Halloween episode. For the second year in a row, we are discussing a Friday the 13th movie. This year, part three, Friday the 13th, in 3D, a new dimension in terror. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely added something to our watching, probably more ridiculousness. Now, we didn't watch it with 3D glasses on. We had to watch it in the 2D version, but we clearly knew what things were supposed to jump out Oh, at dude, they're so blatant about it, and that was the idea behind our drinking game. So if we're slurring a little bit here, we decided to play a drinking game where every time there was an egregious example of someone like holding something up to the screen to prove the three-dimensional fucking uh theory uh, <laughs> yeah to to show off the three-dimensional fucking filming uh abilities i took two shots of that and still couldn't fucking get it out. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah we we'd have a drink for that and guess what there's a lot of them and they are blatant now this thing came out in the early 80s is this sort of the start of 3d film stuff like oh no no 70s we had some 3d stuff but this was the uh i think much like right now where 3d or maybe a couple years ago where 3d kind of crested in popularity it kind of built to a like a fever pitch around this time so you would have been able to see lots of movies with similar feelings at the time then Similar feelings. Well, <laughs> you would have been able to see lots of movies with similar effects. Oh, yeah. Minute. A lot of movies went like a 3D version. I mean, fuck. I don't know when Jaws 3D came out, but goddamn it. So blatant. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to celebrate Halloween by talking about Friday the 13th Part 3. And to do it, we have just such an appropriate beer. Because for those of you who do not know a lot about the Friday the 13th franchise... This is the first movie where Jason dons the iconic hockey mask. And what are we drinking today? Yeah, this is like just a slam dunk. This is called the Hockey Mask Pumpkin Ale. So it even features the same hockey mask that is in Friday the 13th Part 3. It's so good. It's by the Orange Snail Brewing Company or the Brewers. And they're out of Milton, Ontario. It says that it's spookily brewed. So this is a Halloween special beer. I think it comes out every Halloween. Every year, like clockwork. Which is awesome. I'm, I haven't had this one. I'm excited to try it. I have had a couple other orange snail beers, and they have been great. All right. Well, I, I am thrilled. Let's crack into this and fucking uh, taste it. Yeah. yeah I'm not even going to let you finish your sentence. Getting into this. So we actually start with the closing minutes of the last movie, which, of course, is Friday the 13th Part 2. This has the, like the kind of head sack version of Jason, you referred to him as looking like a scarecrow. Yeah, so I was kind of happy that they did this. It helped fill me in because I have never seen most of the Jason movies. Oh, no. I believe I've seen pieces of number one. We watched Jason Takes Manhattan together, and I think I've seen some of the more modern Friday the 13th movies. You've seen Jason X, probably. Yes, and yeah. Jason versus Freddy, I yep. believe. So I've seen some of those. But Freddy versus Jason. Sorry. Jason I versus got it, Freddy. I got the order wrong. Sorry, horror fans. I apologize. Please don't 
send me messages. Uh, <laughs> so I was happy that they were giving me a little recap of the movie before. But yes, Jason does not look like the iconic Jason that I know and love. The one with the hockey mask. He In this one, he is. Yes, he's. he either looks like the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, with the bag over his head or he looks like a scarecrow. Definitely. So we see the final girl of Friday the 13th Part 2. That's Ginny. She is trying to escape Jason, stumbles upon a shrine to his dead mother. Now, she temporarily manages to kind of like outwit him by putting on his mother's sweater and pretending to be her. She's about to hit him with a machete, but this all goes sideways because he sees, she kind of shifts and he sees behind her the head of his dead mother, realizes that's not who's talking to him, goes to attack her. Just then, some guy, I guess he's like Ginny's boyfriend in the movie, I forget the guy's name, shows up, distracts Jason, and this allows Ginny to just bury the machete in his clavicle. Yeah, this is a deep cut. She pulls it above her head and launches it down with both hands. And it gets in like at least almost a foot into Jason's body. It's real deep. Yeah, like I thought for a second it was fucking he was going to turn his whole head. It was going to like fall off his body. Yeah, it's graphic. You're like, well, he's definitely toast, right? You're like, okay, Jason's over. It's strange that they're showing this at the start of the third movie when he's just been <laughs> killed. Yeah. Well, we know, though, you can't really keep him down. They managed to escape, and the last thing we see before the 3D opening credits to this movie is Jason moving his arm and, like, a lengthy zoom on his mother's head. I already sort of admitted to not having seen most of these movies. I do know from watching some of the later movies that, in some way, Jason is supernatural, and there's a weird connection between his mother and him and this supernatural power. Yeah, I mean, like his mother was the killer in the first movie because the whole thing was that he had drowned, right? A bunch of counselors were having sex. They were distracted. He drowns. The mom flips out and tries to kill them, but then he didn't really drown. I kind of It's been a long time since I've seen part two where he becomes the killer. But yeah, over the course of movies, he becomes increasingly supernatural to the point where in part eight, he's essentially teleporting around and like can't be murdered by conventional means. Jason X, of course, takes it to a whole different fucking level, but that all comes later. Right now, we're going to start by fading in to reveal the Crystal Lake, like, general store, I guess. Looks kind of like a diner, but we only see the store interior part. This is run by Harold and his stereotypically shrill wife. Good Lord, is this a stock character or what? Yeah, both of them are brutally stock characters. She isn't annoyed because he's not helping enough with the housework. She's telling him he needs to cut back on some food, and he's kind of ignoring her. Doesn't have a lot of personality, but eating food behind her back. He seems to have more intimacy with the animals around his shop than he does with his wife. Oh, yeah, he's got like a pet rabbit and stuff. Yeah, and very quickly we start getting the setup for some shots that say a threat is coming. Yeah, well, she's actually watching a news report about the killings of the second movie, and after hearing a random noise outside... She looks out to see someone who doesn't really look like Harold. Now, she goes out to yell at him because that's kind of her move. But it turns out that Harold's actually inside in the store eating food off of the shelves while he carries around his pet rabbit. The wife finds him, though, and of course she yells at him for it. So he heads out to his work shed to sulk and finds his other rabbits murdered. Now, who would do that? <laughs> They kind of explain that away because also in the rabbit coop is a venomous snake. Jump scare. <laughs> this is one of the first 3D elements here. We start the drinking off hot yeah. with a snake jumping at us. Oh, it comes right at us. I guess the, uh, the snake was what killed those rabbits. Either way, this terrifies Harold and he has to run off to take a terror shit. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he does. He blows past his wife, and she's like, "That's what you get for eating all that food." Yeah, this is really funny. I love that his response to seeing all of his dead rabbits and that snake scare is to immediately go shit. <laughs> He's uh, terrified, man. Their washroom is pretty decrepit. Like, there's all kinds of boxes from probably the general store in there. It looks like the walls are not even like completely finished. Yeah, you were like, "Is he in his shed? Like, what is this?" Yeah, what is this? What is this it was a mess. Yeah. He pushes aside one of the crates and pulls out a bottle of Jack Daniels. He's got this guy's bathroom stash going. Yeah. So now he's chugging from a bottle of Jack and taking a shit all while like afraid of his dead rabbits. Yeah. And then he's interrupted because he hears a noise. So he gets up and without wiping decides to go investigate. This was a little disgusting. <laughs> this is the first time, but not the last that a character <laughs> takes a shit and gets up without wiping to go investigate what those sounds are. You'll never believe it, but the thing making the sound is Jason, who kills him with a cleaver to the chest. The wife hears it, and after a brief 3D rat scare, she also gets murdered with a knitting needle right through her fucking, uh, what do you call that thing? Neck. Neck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This drinking game is getting to us. So... It is funny because she she misses that knitting needle and you know that it's going to be coming back in a second. She does make a comment about it. This is the fun I find in this style of horror movie are all of those setups to where the murders are going to come. I'm constantly watching for the different things that I think are going to be put into play to take people down. And so far, this is patented horror jump scare and, and it's good, right? It's working fine right now. The characters obviously don't have any depth and we don't care about who's getting murdered, but I'm enjoying seeing Jason back. We know he's here and we know he's going to be looking for probably some teens. And that's what I'm looking for too at this point, because like you said, it's a lot of what we're used to. It's a lot of the kind of paint by numbers, uh, horror slasher movie cliches. And so a big part of that is let's get some nubile teenagers in there right away. We cut to a van with some teenagers in it. They're headed to the lake for a weekend that at least one of them hopes will be full of sex. And uh, this is where we meet Shelly. God damn it, Shirley. Why do you always have to be such an asshole? I beg your pardon. I'm not an asshole. I'm an actor. Uh, (laughs) Shelly is the comic relief. He's also the blind date of the extremely unlucky Vera. Tough break there, Vera. You're with Shelly all weekend. For some reason, there's also these two like old hippies in the van or like one of them's an old hippie and the other one is like his younger girlfriend. This is a weird, weird selection of people. This is a weird ragtag group of friends. So it, it seems like Chris, our main female character, is friends with the one couple who plan on going up there to have a bunch of sex. Do we ever get the girls, the other girl's name? I don't I remember what her name was. I think we do. Deb. Deb? Deb and Andy are the two who are heading up there looking to bone. We get the two hippies in the back uh, who are smoking up. And then we get our weird actor friend, Shelly, who is definitely the comic relief. And then we also have their friend, Vera, the one sort of Hispanic character who's getting prejudiced against at the start of it. It reminded me of the crew of like villains in Predator 2, which we talked about way back in our second episode ever. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, man, it was just a weird group that you'd never assume would be together in the same place. I don't know how stereotypically sex-crazed teenagers end up with like a trauma victim, a rotund Jewish prop comic, an old hippie, and this like fiery Latina. 
But here we are. They're all in a van and they're headed to the fucking lake. But before they go, it appears the van is on fire. Nope, that's just the fucking two hippies. The bong that they are hitting is about four feet long. It's massive. And they have two of them in the back and it never comes up again. Them smoking definitely comes up. I was going to say, they're smoking the whole movie. But it's funny how they are the only stoners. And then the other people in the movie tend not to imbibe. They're, They're not there or not getting down with it, which is kind of interesting. That's true, although... Later on the way to the lake, they are uh, in the van when suddenly some cops show up behind them. So they just start eating all the fucking weed. It's a ridiculous amount of weed. (laughs) And speaking of things that never come back, they should all be crazy high like very soon and it's never mentioned again. That is that is funny. They think they're getting pulled over, but they're not. The cops are actually going to Jason's murder scene that we saw earlier. Uh, The fact that they are not just fucked out of their skulls for the rest of the day is a really interesting thing. I think we also get someone dropping that they might be pregnant. They keep referencing a pregnant person, and I'm like, who the fuck in this van is pregnant? It's not Vera. It's not the girl who was trying to have sex with uh, not Deb. Is it not Deb? Are you sure? You think that Deb and Andy would be so fucking cavalier about sex if he had accidentally gotten her pregnant? They're like fucking 17. It's not Chris. Is it the hippie girlfriend who is, like, smoking weed the whole entire time? No, it's definitely not her because the reason they stop is somebody in the front seat keeps having to go to the washroom. And I think it's Deb. But I don't understand. It doesn't make sense with the way that Deb and Andy act in this Maybe they're just joking about her being pregnant. They have to be. oh, you got to pee. Oh, you're pregnant. Yeah, it just didn't come off well, I think. After a brief scene where they almost drive over a grizzled old drifter who is taking a nap in the middle of the road... Yes, we're getting... I don't understand this. Well, yes, you do. We are getting the introduction of the prophetic weird old man. This is your fucking favorite. Yeah, this was the guy on the ship in the Jason Takes Manhattan episode who, yeah, who called all the shit going down. And this old man, I mean, they help him up, they move him to the side, and then he shows them an eyeball. Yeah, we get the impression that he was the one who found the bodies at the crime scene and decided for some reason to take the eyeball of either Harold or his wife. No. He said he found the body, no, no, he found no, no, an eyeball. No. no, he says Jason gave it to him. He wanted me to warn you. Look upon this omen and go back from whence ye came. I have warned thee. Uh, he tries to warn them that there's something bad going down and they shouldn't continue on their way, but do they pay attention? No, of course not. They're no. going to the fucking lake, but they're going to have a good time. Once they get to the cabin at the lake, this is where Chris's boyfriend Rick is waiting. And by boyfriend, I mean man friend, because this dude is like 45 years old. Yeah, there is definitely a weird age and power dynamic here. It seems like they used to have a relationship, but aren't seeing each other very often any- anymore. We're starting to build that Chris had some trauma. Uh, a year or two ago and hasn't come back to this area very often. And they're going to delve into that more. It's really strange. Rick is pretty like pent up. As soon as she gets there, he like grabs her and kisses her and talks about wanting to f*** her for three hours a day. (laughs) He does lay out a schedule. Yes. One hour in the morning, two hours at night. And uh, this old man with blue balls is really craving (laughs) Chris hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame him. She's a nice looking lady. And clearly he has not, uh, we get the impression he hasn't done anything with anyone since he last saw her, which was, God, m- months, years ago? Like I, it, it almost sounds like it was two years ago since she last left. And It was like a summer romance. That's, that then that's she a long yeah. time to hold all that seed inside. <laughs> He's a country guy. He knows about seed. <laughs> They're settling in when a sudden scream interrupts everything. But don't worry, it's just Shelly playing one of his hilarious pranks. 
he's pretending that he got brutally murdered. And you know what they say about being careful what you wish for? <laughs> yeah. This is definitely going to come back and bite Shelly later in the film when he gets brutally slash murdered. But he just can't help himself. Everyone's mad at him and he's a little bit confused. He thinks this shit's funny. But then he finds out, I think, that Chris had some trauma related to this stuff. Yeah, we start to get a little bit of illusions. We don't find out what happened just yet. Shelly kind of like uh, like one of the original trolls here. <laughs> one of the very first. So? Yeah. They, yeah, these are people who get humor by making other people uncomfortable. Well, and he explains why later. He says, you know, being a jerk is better than being a nobody. So he's trying to do it just to get attention, right? Which is, you know, he's like a fucking toddler. Anywho, uh, he ends up going off to the store with Vera, where Vera and Shelly run afoul of a biker gang. This so is so fucking weird. This is the lamest biker gang that I think has ever been on film. It is just so bad. There's a, a woman who's harassing Vera and asking for a wallet. But really, she's just trying to make her use her manners when she speaks to her. And then we have just what looks like a gang member out of West Side Story. He, he's trying to push around uh, our friend Shelly. And then we have another person who has a chain around him. So we can assume he's sort of a dangerous guy oh for sure they're wearing leather vests and the girl has some raccoon tails pinned to her fucking (laughs) belt or something the person who wrote the biker parts in this had two things in mind one they needed to get some people into the film that could be easily killed by jason before we murder off our regular characters and and two tried to create the most menacing people they could but failed horribly like they achieved the first part of that goal but the second part of that goal just they they have never ever met a biker in their entire life yeah i feel like this whole scene is pretty unnecessary but not nearly as unnecessary as the 30 seconds of 3d yo-yoing we get next (laughs) it does does this cut of andy who's the guy with deb just trying to bone down the whole time Deb's fucking like laid out in the ground taking a fucking nap almost relaxing and andy's above her just like yo-yoing towards her and therefore towards us in the screen just teens being teens, man. I can't yeah. count all the times I brought my yo-yo to a fucking weekend getaway. Yeah, when you're really trying on, to man. get with a girl, you're going to show her your yo-yo and juggling skills. I mean, skills. I'm not going to show a girl a literal yo-yo. Uh, Is that yeah. what you call your penis? The What's yo-yo? that? Is that what you call it? The, <laughs> the yo-yo. yo-yo. I hope you do. Because it's constantly up and down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have a real hard time maintaining an erection. <laughs> <laughs> or you're always getting an erection, maybe. Maybe it's just like you're always firing off. Well, that's called the sundial. <laughs> Always pointing north. Or at the compass. Oh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, like, Andy walks around all the time on his hands. He yeah. has a yo-yo and can juggle. And then Shelly's the same. These two definitely met at Circus Camp. Clown Academy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's where these two came from. And the girls, somehow Deb's buying in. But the other girls are definitely not buying into Shelly. Yeah, they all kind of branch off at this point to do various, like, sexy or unsexy things. And before you know it, the biker gang has found them and is going to drain all of the gas from their van. But for some reason, one of them decides to wander off. She actually looks kind of like Rosario Dawson's mom. Like if you were like, oh, this is this actress eventually birthed Rosario Dawson. I would believe you. Are you sure that it isn't? I mean, I haven't done, I haven't yeah. done the background. So somebody research, tell us, but, yeah. is the actress who plays uh, lame biker number one, Aww. Rosario Dawson's mom? It's weird. She goes into the barn and it looks like she's on an episode of like Antique Roadshow. She's appreciating all the <laughs> shit in the barn. Oh, God, she's marveling at it. Oh, a canteen. Yeah, she's <laughs> loving all of this sort of like barn and rural shit as she walks around. But then she sees some hay get sort of kicked out of the top of the loft and decides to climb her way up there. Hey, hey, who's up there? 
I know that every time something weird or unexplained happens, I'm like, I want to go see what that is. It's a very normal human reaction. I, I mean, guess. if yeah. we lived in a horror movie, that would have to be our only reaction. Otherwise, it wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So she gets murdered by Jason, uh, as does the other biker who comes looking for her. They get pitchforked. Yeah. She gets one right through the neck and is actually hanging from the barn. It's it's pretty good. And then the other one comes up and he gets it through the stomach and they poke out through his back. Yeah. Now, there is a third biker. He's the one draining the gas. And he's like, where are you two? And also then gets murdered. So that's the end of the bikers, uh, or so it seems. And I guess, yeah, like you said earlier, the whole point of this is just for Jason to kind of rack up some kills without getting rid of any of the main characters. Like, that's all this is, right? Yeah, this is foreplay. He's just getting aroused uh, as we lead towards the actual killing of the characters that they're trying to make us interested in. Um, they, they need to have some other people out there to get, air quote, uh, as we oh move forward. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar with that uh, horror movie analogy, but I guess uh, we'll just go with it. Later that night, while Andy and Shelly have a juggling contest, Rick pours his heart out to Chris about how he misses her. I don't know. I mean, I don't see you for months on end. And then when I do, you put this this barrier up between us. How do I break through? This is the blue ball speech. (laughs) My penis is about to erupt. (laughs) My balls are swollen and sore. Yeah. We need to see each other and I need to come. (laughs) this is also where we get the trauma revealed finally it's finally explained it turns out that chris had a fucking jason encounter which she survived although she doesn't know how he ended up grabbing her and dragging her off at which point she blacked out and woke up in her own bed unsurprisingly her parents think this was a dream and to be honest i kind of do too yeah they don't substantiate any of this i don't understand like it's clear that she's seen jason and knows what it is jason kills everybody he would have not let her go is there some way that there is a like jason dream world is he connected through another space and time no that's freddy krueger you're thinking of freddy krueger i do understand that but i feel like they're leading to or trying to allude to maybe there's some other things that connect I don't know, maybe. We get no clarification on that. Meanwhile, uh, Shelly makes an unsuccessful pass at Vera, and the other two, uh, Andy and Deb, head off to have some hammock sex. Yes, they really get it swinging. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't seem like it actually is that good. It it does seem like he underperforms for sure. He's No, she was good. She was like, oh, was that you or was it the hammock? And he was like, let's say me. So clearly she was like, yeah. Oh, so she did enjoy it, okay. Hammock sex enjoyable. We also get like a series of jump scares and close calls. The old hippie goes to take a shit in like an outhouse and someone's banging on the sides and he gets startled by his own girlfriend. Uh, uh, he, here's where he gets up and doesn't wipe again. This is the second coming of the no okay. wipe. But he, and again, I'm 90% sure Harold had already shit before he got up and didn't wipe. <laughs> this old hippie, he sits down, he fucking blazes up a joint and I'm like, he hadn't gotten started yet. He was like, I'm you not going to start needed- yeah. until I'm good and high. The way that he ran out there seemed like he had to go pretty bad. I, I feel like the chances are at least 50-50 that he had dropped a log before uh, before he had to get up. I mean, he definitely doesn't wipe, so there you go. Anyway, after that, Shelly startles Vera with another one of his hilarious pranks. She's kind of sitting by the docks. He comes up out of the water and grabs her leg. He's got a fucking wetsuit on. Dude is committed. Say what you will about Shelly. Whatever his art is that he's creating, he is all in it. He puts a fucking wetsuit on. He's got a hockey mask, which is the one that Jason, I guess, ends up wearing. He's also got like a harpoon gun. Which I don't know why he had, he had that. Yeah, this is fucked. There's no way <laughs> that this like silly comedic guy who wants to be an asshole to get attention would bring a fucking wetsuit, a harpoon gun, and a hockey mask 
I hate that this is the way that Jason gets his hockey mask. Off Shelly, you mean? Yeah, I hate that Shelly is the character that brings it in to be a part of the lore because Shelly is such a garbage character. Oh, come on. He's the Carrot Top of the early 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Props for days. Shit on Carrot Top for no reason. For no reason. I mean... (laughs) Have you seen Carrot Top? When comedy? are we watching a Carrot Top movie? That's Chairman the of the board? Yeah. We, we got to find a beer that fits, we'll, man. Let's we, do it. we got it. So we, so we see Shelly being a yeah. douche hole with all of this shit. This all culminates with Vera being the first main character murdered, of course. She's the only non-white person there. After dropping Shelly's wallet in the lake, Vera goes in to get it, and we finally see Jason in the iconic hockey mask who harpoons her with Shelly's harpoon gun through the eye what a fucking shot he's a sniper he has got some skills now the one thing that you notice in this movie is the effects when someone die get real bad they're not great yeah that was uh (laughs) it looks good and then all of a sudden when they edit to the clip of death it looks so fake and when we get that through her eye the dummy that they make or the head that they make as a fake does not look at all real. That harpoon's heading right for us, though. That 3D effect. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. Oh, right for it. We drank hard for that one. We were getting pretty drunk at this point. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? These deaths start coming fast and furious now. As uh, the couple who was having sex in the hammock gets uh, murdered, Andy first, he's walking on his hands again like always, and he gets macheted through the d- he basically is cut in half from like the worst direction possible yeah when we saw at the beginning that machete that went uh, almost a foot into jason's shoulder it was pretty impressive this one must go at least a foot or two further jason brings this thing down on his dick with a lot of force oh my god man he cuts him in half um his lady friend uh deb does not fare much better as after a topless shower scene she exits the bathroom where there is no evidence at all of Andy's gruesome murder. Like, there's no blood. There's nothing. She just walks through the hallway. It's not until she sits down in the hammock to read a copy of Fangoria, which is awesome. Fucking the horror magazine. Yeah. Uh, some blood starts dripping down from the ceiling. And after being like, where is this coming from? And deciding on above me, she looks up and fucking sees both halves of Andy's corpse and then gets stabbed through the chest from underneath the hammock. This is a great death. This is good. The Fangoria drop is pretty cool. Like that's that's just, awesome. That's somebody in the film crew, or even the people who wrote it and throwing that out there, being like, "We're doing this for you." I like that. Uh, Jason grabs her head and holds her down as he pushes the machete right through her body. It's it's really good. It's a great one. The corpse of Andy up above slash in half is nice. Like they they yeah. do a good job of making that gruesome. His legs are going a different direction from his. Oh yeah, yeah, man. yeah. It's well done. I like that. And and now we're really getting some pace. It took a while to build to here. Um, we're but, like over an hour before anyone died. Well, yeah, the non bikers. I mean, yeah. But I'm happy that this is where we're we're going right now. We're starting yeah, we're, to feel it. It's crackling. The, speaking of crackling, the power goes out, so the old hippie goes to turn on the fuse box, and you'll never guess what happens. He clicks on the power to reveal Jason, which is also a nice shot, man. The lights come on, and Jason's just standing there. This one this one feels iconic. Like, the shot of the light popping on the old high hippie with the full Jason in his mask and the weapon raised... I'm pretty sure that shot is something that comes to mind when you picture Friday the 13th. I mean, it fucking should be. Although he ends up not killing with the machete, he pushes him into the fuse box where he gets electrocuted. Now, at this point, Shelly... Now he's really fried. (laughs) Now he's really (laughs) fried. damn it. Come on, not the weed, but the... uh, Oh, God. You know what I'm saying. So, at this point, Shelly stumbles in 
to where the hippie guy's girlfriend was uh, fucking cooking. They were making popcorn. One of the more egregious 3D fucking shots. Yeah, the popcorn, yeah. The directly above shot of popcorn just flying towards the screen. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he's got his throat slit, but he's also unfortunately got a bad case of boy who cried wolf syndrome. So she does not believe that he's dead. Nice makeup job. man it's only later after he keels over and she like actually touches his like neck wound that she realizes what's up and she fucking screams runs out right into jason she gets a fireplace poker death in glorious 3d and now there's only two people left it's chris and rick who have been walking home this whole time from their emotional talk earlier yeah the battery on their car had died and so they had to walk quite a ways through the dark back to this cabin. And when they get there, they're having trouble finding anyone. Yeah, they notice the cabin is a complete mess and that there's no one around. So naturally, they decide to split up and investigate. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Such a cliche. Oh. oh. Stick together, you fucks. It's just, it's one of those things, right? This is how cliches become cliches. Now we're getting into spookies. I feel like we're heading oh. back there. <laughs> well, Rick dies real soon, but... Uh, in con- is any consolation to him, this is by far the best death of this movie. Jason squeezes his head until his eye pops out, which flies right towards the screen. You and I were fucking dying laughing. And yeah. it's a huge, it's a big drink because it's right at you. Come on. This, this is great stuff. This was funny. Um, I actually really like the scene where Chris, our female protagonist, comes out looking for Rick. And he's just around the corner of the porch that she's standing on. But Jason has got a hand over his mouth and holding him. Uh, and it's right after this that Jason finishes him off by squeezing his head and exploding the eye out. It is a great death. Again, we get the horrible head makeup as he squishes it. Oh, um, he doesn't look human at all. No, yeah. it doesn't look real <laughs> at all, but it is tremendous. We did have a really good chuckle and had to finish like a third of a beer. Definitely. It's great shit. And now we start getting the kind of classic uh, stuff where Chris is running and she starts finding bodies kind of one by one as Jason chases her. There's some great stuff in here. At one point, Jason throws the machete at her. And when it lodges in the wall, you can see it is clearly on a string. Like, not even a little bit fucking not into that string. It's so obvious. Uh, She manages to get out of the house and into the van. But what she doesn't know is the bikers have drained the gas. So there's no escape after all. In fact, the van stops right on a bridge, which seems like it can't support the weight of the van. And I thought we were going to get a scene where like, it crashes down into the water, possibly with her in it, possibly with Jason in it, because she isn't clever when Jason's trying to grab her. What does she do? <laughs> this is funny. Jason's got his hands in the window. He's caught up to her because the van is kind of sunk into the bridge a little bit. And she rolls up the window. Of course, we've got crank crank windows. She Early cranks 80s, it up, come on. Cranks it up, catches his hands in the window, and is able to escape through the passenger door. So she's not going to fall through the bridge. Neither is Jason in the van. She's running. Does she run away from the farm? No, she runs to the barn, which unfortunately for her, Jason bars the door. So she's trapped in there with him. Now, after a bit of back and forth, she manages to knock him out with a shovel blow that definitely would not knock him out. She's getting no force behind this fucking shovel hit. She swings the shovel from like maybe a foot away. Like there is no wind up on this bad boy. And somehow it takes down superpower fuel Jason. He falls to the ground and she looks up and she sees the 
pulley for the rope that yeah rick we, had used it earlier to pull some hay up and also to pull her up into the barn yeah yeah we never got to see the chris and rick uh get down i mean rick died with a ball full of <laughs> just one ball uh, full. The, well uh, we kind of learned later that rick only had one ball yeah <laughs> what? Is that a real fact? No, I just made that up. Yeah. Good lord! <laughs> oh, one ball, Rick. Oh, one ball, Rick. Giant just blue ball, full of. <laughs> it, it looked like Tukes. What a way so to go! Cool. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Um, yeah, and she uses this fucking pulley. She ties it around Jason's neck and pushes him off the side of the barn, snapping his neck or not. <laughs> Because as soon as she gets down there, he's still alive. The, the drop would have killed him for sure, man. That's a fucking hangman's noose. He's dead, but he's not because he's Jason. He fucking, his thick plastic neck wouldn't be broken by the fucking thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jason's mask is looking a little rough right here. He's, not his mask. is well, sorry. His, yeah, his face. Yeah, not the hockey mask. Jason's, like, head covering and mask looks pretty fake at this point. But he... He gets out of the noose and chases her back into the barn. And what happens? Well, he's still alive. And somehow, so is one of the bikers who I guess has been hanging out in the barn this whole time. How is this guy still alive? And why hasn't he gone anywhere? I'm not sure. Jason had hurt him, but I guess we hadn't seen Jason finish him off. So he comes out and kind of tackles Jason from behind. Unfortunately for him, Jason swings his machete and takes his arm off. Oh, yeah. This dude dies real fast. But he does buy Chris just enough time for her to grab an axe and bury it in Jason's head. This is good. Oh, it's good, and it gives us, like, 30 seconds of him, like, staggering towards us, reaching towards us in 3D, <laughs> which is a great 3D moment. We did have to finish off our beard. This is where, when I picture Jason's mask, I always picture the mask with a, like, crack at the top right of it, right? And this is exactly where the axe hit. I love that this is the origin of that. Having not seen this before, it, it really made me appreciate that even more. I like the depth to that in the series. I, I love sort of where that's transitioned across like in yeah. a single movie this is all bullshit but i love that they've continued that throughout like over 10 movies that add to his lore and sort of thoughts as they go through well and that's the thing with the first few like ones of these like three four five they really do a good job of connecting them to the previous story right so you get some kind of like we had the introduction to this one and in four or five even in the six you get some like recurring characters there's like some history there so it kind of builds this world of like yes these events kind of build each other and it is kind of cool and seemingly this kind of ends things right and i say seemingly because the next day after she uh paddles out in the middle of the lake in a canoe and then falls asleep yeah i don't understand why this was chris's exit strategy when she got out of the van she should have ran to the road instead of running into the barn and she doesn't and we know this is a horror movie but instead of running away after taking down jason she goes out in the canoe and passes out in the middle of crystal lake yeah she gets a good seven eight hours of sleep and when she wakes up she sees jason still alive with a massive head wound in the window of the cabin, which he then escapes. But before he can get to her, his mother's rotting corpse rises up from the lake, grabs Chris, and, like, pulls her under the water. Or does she? It doesn't appear so, because then we get to a scene of police or sheriffs everywhere, and they're kind of talking like Chris has been through so much. Yeah. Like she has witnessed all these murders. We need to get out of here. And she's acting definitely in shock and fucked up. But they, she's acting in such a way that it makes us 
think that maybe she could have committed the murders? Well, it makes you think that. I don't think that. I know Jason committed these murders. You're going to spin me a, like, her, she returned to the scene of her trauma, caused her to go fucking crazy and kill everyone thing, and Jason's all in her head? Well, it does feel that way, right? Like, they definitely it leave it open. It doesn't feel for, that way. It does feel that way to me, right? It definitely makes it feel like this was all in her head and that, all of these murders, she is sort of pretending to be Jason, but it is her. It's spoken it's, like someone who hasn't seen the other movies because it's quickly established in like part four that Jason actually committed all these murders. I, well, I guess that's true, right? But it, it would be it. I guess they have to do that as they continue forward and have Jason as the killer. But it would be interesting to me if Jason could sort of take the form of other people who have experienced those traumas and each one kind of had a different killer. I would have liked that too. As You're I, thinking of Freddy Krueger again. That's a Freddy <laughs> Krueger move. No wonder they fucking fought. You're confusing the two of them. Like, we got to settle this once and for all. Yeah, Noel has to get this straight. We better fucking <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, this all happens after a nice dissolve. And as you mentioned, the police officers are there. They say she's the only one alive. What was all that about a lady in the lake? She must have flipped out. That poor kid's been through hell. And apparently all of the canoe stuff was just in her head. And the last time we see her, she is like cry laughing maniacally in the back of this cop car as they kind of drive her off. Then, however, we get a shot of Jason's body, which you and I are both just like, oh, it's going to move. It doesn't move. He seems to actually be dead this time. Yeah, which is weird, right? Because we know Because he's not. <laughs> we know he's not, yeah. right? And they they make it feel that way, right? Which I wonder why that choice. I think that's interesting, but I I don't know. There's no answer to that for me right now. Well, I think and I could be wrong. I should check this out, but there was one movie where they were like literally like we're going to I think it might have been this one. I think they were like we're going to call this a trilogy. We're just going to fucking end it. So you think that this might have been the way they wanted to end it, and then people decided, we're making way too much money. We have to continue this. Well, that's always what it is, right? It always comes down to money. But I'm pretty sure at some point they were like, this is going to be the last one. And then later on they were just like, oh, no, no, it's not. So the very last thing we see is a shot of the water, and it's moving as though something underneath it is moving or something has been dropped into it. And all of a sudden it just kind of settles and that's the whole thing. And so you're kind of left with a little ambiguous like, well, okay, Jason may be dead, but is there something else? What's up with the mom's corpse? Who knows? And that's where we go to the credits. And my God, the music in these credits, super enjoyable. Like a Spookies <laughs> 80 kind of synth vibe. Like, Yeah, it was good. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, I the sound effect and the shots, the cinematography, the way they do these movies, the jump scares... That's what makes them fun, right? That's what makes them enjoyable. Oh, my God, of course. So that was definitely a great part. Uh, so I guess we got to rate this thing. Yeah, so we'll do our ratings the way we always do this. If you're a first-time listener, we do this on a scale of 1 to 10. We do it twice, 1 to 10 for how bad it is, and then 1 to 10 for how enjoyable it is. And our ultimate hope, our ultimate goal is to find movies that are 10 or 10 on both scales, or as we call it, the Crit 20. And we found a couple, but I'll tell you this right now. For me, this is not going to be one of those movies because I don't think this is that bad. Like, it's got some horror movie cliches, but those things are cliches for a reason. And part of the reason is movies like this. This is 1982. It's early kind of in the genre. Yes, the characters are a weird mishmash of people. It makes no sense. Yes, they make stupid decisions. But at the same time, those elements, that kind of formula is executed really well, I feel. This would have been, and this remains, a very good entry in the Friday the 13th series. So I only have this as a six bad. That's that's a good point. I do feel like this seems more like a trend setter than a trend follower based on when it happened. And if we saw a lot of the stuff that happened this in movies now, we would shit on those movies. Really <laughs> Definitely, are, right? yeah. 
I'm trying to think of how bad I had the previous one we watched from last year. I don't remember at this time, but I think it was pretty high. I was not really down for that. It didn't make a lot of sense that it was not actually just Jason on a ship instead of Jason Takes Manhattan. I think I might have even went as far as 10 bad. Like, I really shouldn't. This doesn't reach there. This isn't nearly as bad as that one. You called it a six. I had it down as a seven. So we're Fair. right in the same yeah. ballpark. Clearly, some of the um, plot doesn't make sense. Some of the characters being there doesn't make sense. Some of the deaths looked a little cheesy, although the head squeeze death was oh, fantastic. so good. That was yeah. really, really good. I enjoyed that one a lot. So I, I had it as a seven. Well, and as you mentioned with the characters, there's not a lot of depth to these characters. No. It's very quickly, like, they give them a tiny little personality quirk. Although I will say, and as much as you were shitting on him, we get a little, like, almost like pathos from the Shelly character because his whole thing is, like, he's unattractive, he's unpopular, and so he chooses to, like, act out as a way to get attention. There's a little bit of something there where it's kind of like, I felt bad for him when he got his throat slashed. Like, you know. I connected more with the Rick character. <laughs> The, the wise old sage who's like, your friends are so immature. <laughs> Hasn't been several years. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So the bad. No, no. We already talked um, about the bad. No. How enjoyable do you think this movie is? Oh, sorry. Enjoyability. Yeah. Um, how, <laughs> yeah. how enjoyable do you think this movie is, though? Uh, it's, uh, it's similar to my bad. I, I had it as an eight. I actually thought it was pretty enjoyable. I liked that it was the place where Jason's mask came out. I like that it set some of the standards for that series. Um, some of the murders were fun and creative. The pop out in my face made me laugh and get that drunk. That was fucking great. Right? Having, yeah. having the 3D effect probably added a considerable amount of enjoyability to it for me um, because it was so silly. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sticking with that. I, an eight is is perfect. Man, this is not going to be one of those episodes where you disagree. I also have it as an eight. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun to watch. And again, like the stuff you described, some of the deaths were pretty terrible, but some of them were very fun. I really enjoy slasher movies in general. I enjoy this era of horror movie making, and it really does check all the boxes. And why wouldn't it, right? It's, it's helping to establish that formula. And so having this sort of like weird nondescript assortment of teenagers who get killed in different ways, it always, it's always enjoyable to me. I can watch a movie like this every fucking day of the week and I will enjoy it every single time. So for me, it's Nate. It's not quite perfect because there are some things that are kind of like cheesy, but like not in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't need the Harold character and his fucking shrill wife, like those stock characters didn't need it. Also, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree, not enough nudity. <laughs> it was light on the nudity. I think we had a little like guessing game at the start of this, and we I asked you whether like how many of the four women would be naked. And I came in high. I said at least two, and it was only one. Yeah, we only saw one showing of uh, body, and that was upsetting for everyone, especially you. Oh my god! But yeah, no, it's a fun <laughs> movie, man. Like not not that bad. Very enjoyable. So good stuff. Good good stuff from both of us. I'm just going to have to start leaning into this soon, aren't I? Uh, maybe, yeah. It's, it's going to be your thing. <laughs> what did you think about this beer? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's pretty dark. It actually surprised me in its coloring. Uh, it's a pretty dark ale, which means it tends to be pretty malt-heavy, but I think the pumpkin flavor takes over, and it, it's definitely very enjoyable. Um, it left a, a nice kind of caramely and pumpkin-y aftertaste in my mouth after drinking it, and, and I'm... I'm pleased to drink it. it. You couldn't have found a better connection to the movie we were watching. It literally has the mass that was introduced into our movie on it. Yeah, although now that I'm thinking about it, 
Am I crazy? Or when Shelly comes out of the water, are there like the triangle things on his mask blue and then on Jason's mask, they're red? Did I dream that or is that not? Uh, I think you're dreaming that. Unless okay. there was an inconsistency in the movie, I think it was meant to be the same. I think they're they're suggesting that the mask Shelly's wearing yeah. is the mask that he finds. Well, I mean, so. he's got the harpoon gun. Yeah. If he'd come out wearing the wetsuit, that would have been something. It's the same <laughs> Jason, mask. Been yeah, Jason the has the wetsuit on. It's just stretched out beyond all believability. Would have helped him out in the start of Friday the 13th Part 8 when he's fucking under the water. Yeah, he just lives there. Yeah, it well, great for him. Well, and I guess part seven where he drowns. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I assume. Oh, he definitely does. Yeah, um, yeah no, it was good. Uh, they went uh, kind of heavy on the spice. Like, you get the pumpkin taste, but it's much more than that. You get, like, the the spicy, is like nutmeg, kind of like cinnamon sort of thing. Oh, definitely, which is, I think, what I love about pumpkin-flavored things, right? Pumpkin pie is one of my favorite desserts, and I think it is better when it's heavy-handed on the spices. Okay, I mean, I don't know if I want to, like, drink, like, six of these in a row or anything. Oh, like, it's not crushable. No, You're definitely these not for, our, for our drinking game watching the movie would not have been good. Uh, yeah. But it, for, like, a one-off, good stuff, very tasty. And check out Orange Snail, man. Uh, that, they have a, uh, I don't know if you mentioned at the beginning, they have a coconut porter right now. Ooh, I haven't. Fucking delicious. I haven't had that. It's that very tasty. Great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's going to do it. Good stuff, and happy Halloween to everyone as we wind yes. down here. Um, next week, we are going to be, <laughs> I love that little laugh. This is, this Sounds is going to be, this was a, this is one that we immediately thought of when we started brainstorming this podcast and bad movies. We're going big next week. This is a big budget, major Hollywood production, huge IP intellectual property. Next week, we are watching Batman and Robin. Oh, God. This is George Clooney's foray into Batman. This is the one where the bat suit has nipples. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's um, a questionable move. Why are you putting nipples <laughs> on your bat suit? Listen, I don't. who knows why Joel Schumacher does the things he does, but we're going to talk about it next week. Clooney, O'Donnell, who you Silverstone. Hate. You hate Just, O'Donnell. I fucking hate yeah. Chris O'Donnell. Oh, I'm sure you're going to be ragging all over that guy next week. I haven't watched the movie in a while, but I would bet that I probably will be. Uh, Alicia Silverstone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, our uh, our boy. Yeah. Listen, he's making his third appearance, at least maybe third or fourth in this podcast. This guy, Who even yeah, knows? Arnold has definitely been on our podcast the most, but it's funny because I don't feel like he belongs on the Wall of Shame uh, or the Mount Rushmore for us because he makes those movies enjoyable. Arnold knows what he's doing and he's leaning in. So you're calling him a good actor. I'm calling him good <laughs> at making bad movies. Yeah. He's good at being him. Yeah, He's good at absolutely. being himself. Yeah, he you can trust it. him to be him. So we're going to see him. We're going to see Uma Thurman a little bit. It's going to be a fucking mess. I, I haven't seen that since 1997 or whatever it came out. I saw that in theater. I, it cost me two dollars, and that's about, uh, that's about a dollar seventy-five too, too much. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't seen it since, so I'm excited. Too. It's about a dollar ninety-five too much, <laughs> as I recall. Who knows? We'll see it again. But that's going to be next week. Um, in the meantime, if you have not already, please follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at the BMB podcast. Feel free to send us any suggestions for movies and or beers into the DMS of those uh, social media accounts or send us an email at the BMB podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you haven't also, uh, we haven't mentioned this a lot lately, but check out our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. It's just our episodes on YouTube. If you prefer to view things that way, we're slowly getting them up there. I think so far we only <laughs> have about four or five up, but they'll all be up soon. Don't worry. If you missed our first season, what a great chance to go catch up on some of the uh, first season episodes. Yeah, feel free to like and subscribe on there. Hit the bell on there. The more people who see those, the more likely it is we're able to create more content. So that would be awesome. Yeah, we're always happy to uh, hear from you and to have you, uh, you know, just fucking hear our shit. So hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. I know we did. 
Please join us next week for Batman and Robin. In the meantime, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next week on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it masky. A new dimension in terror. 